Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, what's up? We are back. Um, and it's Shira Lazar. Ryan Mitchell is out. Ryan Basham filling in again. Ah, uh, You know, this has been the best week. I'm I'm glad you liked it. We've enjoyed having you. Yeah, I mean, easily top 20 activities. <laughs> top 20 activities. What other activities do you have? I don't think I can discuss them on terrestrial okay. radio. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, well, again, um, you know, Char will be in tomorrow, but we love our Channel Q family, all the great hosts that get to come in and, and join us in studio. Yeah, it's a big, happy family. It really is. And, you know, I'm wearing, <laughs> I, I must say I'm proud of my outfit today. It's called the daytime pajama outfit you know these silk pajamas but you wear them like almost as a business outfit 100% I thought it was a really nice like trendy business outfit you know what I recommend this this is gonna be my new thing which is funny I'm a few years late my friend used to do this and I would I would say like okay good for you now I get it yeah I get it I'm gonna get this in every color these silk you know like shirts and Mm -hmm. these pants I'm blown away. I feel like you need to be a brand ambassador for this company. I'm going to go look. I don't even know what company it is, but yes. Girl, listen. If you have silk PJs that can be used as business wear, let me know. Yes. Slide into my DMs. (laughs) The best thing Uh, ever. I recommend it. You won't, you know, uh, you won't regret it. There's got to be a version of this that I can wear. Yeah. I mean, I think it's unisex. Oh, yeah. For, you know. Oh, yeah. For anyone. It's very fancy. Maybe a little, maybe a little Miami to have. I don't know. I've never been to Miami. I'm just guessing. Bringing the Miami to LA. (laughs) Uh, a lot happening on the show today. We're going to be talking more about the Right to Contraception Act. We're also going to be talking about you know a lot of people leaving their jobs, but where are they going? That's at 4.20 p.m. Pacific, 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Because, you know, yesterday the news was Biden talking about the fact that he has cancer. Yeah. but uh, Turns out he was speaking in the past tense, yes. or meant to be speaking in the past tense. And now another health health headline for Biden. Something he actually does have currently. Yeah, the president said today that he has tested positive for COVID-19, but will continue to work well in isolation at the White House despite his mild symptoms. He posted a video to Twitter saying this. Hey folks, guess you heard this morning I tested positive for COVID, but I've been double vaccinated, double boosted, symptoms are mild, and uh, and I really appreciate your inquiries and your concerns. But I'm doing well, I'm getting a lot of work done, I'm going to continue to get it done, and uh and in the meantime, thanks for your concern and keep the faith. It's going to be okay. He sounds good. And, you know, this is the first time 
He has tested positive for COVID-19 and he last tested negative on Tuesday. White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain said Biden will be working over the phone and on video conference for the next few days following the positive results, which, by the way, for his typical uh, routine, this is probably like a vacation. Yeah, like absolutely. Not having to jump around. Yeah, yeah. And just, you know, it's probably difficult to work while you have COVID, but I, I'm assuming he has no sleep or no. Yeah. Like, I don't even get how Well, I guess one function. of the advantages of aging, don't they say that the older you get, the usually the less sleep you need? Like all the people I know who are relatively advanced in age are like, yeah, I don't need as much sleep as I used yeah, to. Yeah, but then you need to take naps throughout the day, don't you? And go to bed really uh, Well, early. I already need to do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, is that not normal? <laughs> well, we were just talking about that with producer Shelby. I just think we should have nap pods here at the station. Yes, disco naps. Disco naps. Disco naps are actually really good. They're 15-minute naps. Oh, yeah? Really good for you. I dig it. Uh, Now, moving on to a bipartisan group of senators who announced two proposals related to election administration, including one to reform the Electoral Count Act. The uh, the whole thing says from the beginning, our bipartisan group has shared a vision of drafting legislation to fix the flaws of the archaic and ambiguous Electoral Count Act of 1887. Mm -hmm. It was unveiled today to reform our yesterday. Sorry, I'm losing track of days. It includes nine Republicans, though. Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky has signaled he's open to updating the old law. What would that mean? There'd be no electoral counts. <laughs> like, we all know that it's it's bad. I yeah. don't get how the Republicans are into this. I mean, I'm well, down that well, for the fact I mean, that some Republicans, this. we don't know if there are enough in the Senate to get behind it. But essentially, I mean, it does several things. But the, the biggest thing that you might recognize is, remember when the, the January 6th riot happened because people wanted Pence to use his role in the ceremony to not recognize electors Uh so it clarifies that his role is purely ceremonial so he doesn't have it clarifies he doesn't have that power so that's one of the things one of the many things yeah Mm -hmm. okay well that was what's trending this hour what's happening in entertainment news oh okay so here's the tea report and this is some tea i'm really excited about so you may remember that my my low-key celebrity husband oscar isaac has been wearing skirts at fancy events Mm -hmm. um which is just another reason why i i hope that he becomes single at some point and marries me um (laughs) but if it's fine if not uh because i have another prospect in brad pitt who um who stepped out recently on a red carpet for uh promoting uh, promoting his new film bullet train which by the way looks really cool if you haven't seen the trailer check it out um so this was uh yesterday or no two days ago on tuesday he uh he was wearing this skirt on um on the red carpet and this isn't even the first time he's done it you know he did um he wore some dresses for the cover of rolling stone i think 1999 and actually on the red carpet of troy a Troy premiere in 2004, he said, I predict by next summer men are going to be wearing skirts. So he's just keeping his own trend going. His legs look good. He has yes. these tattoos that people are calling out. Yes, look at them calves. Yeah, good calves. Yes, thank I mean, you. he gets better with age, I think. Yes. I didn't actually think he was that hot when he was yeah, younger. I know, right? These men's showing some ankle. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, now we need uh, some water. Uh, now, next up, the House passed a bill this week aimed at protecting access to contraception. What this could actually look like next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The House passed a bill to safeguard access to contraceptives less than a month after Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas said that they should overturn the landmark case protecting forms of birth control. Uh, So the legislation titled the Right to Contraception Act passed in a 228 to 195 vote. Eight Republicans joined all Democrats in supporting the measure and two Republicans voted present. And joining us right now to share more is Michael Schnell, congressional reporter at The Hill. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. 
So tell us more about what this will do and and help with. And obviously, this passed the House, which we have, which the Democrats have, still needs to pass the Senate. But tell us more details. Absolutely. So um, the Right to Contraception Act, as you said, the House passed this bill today in a 228 to 195 vote. It was bipartisan. And the measure is looking to codify access to contraceptives on the federal level and allow. So that would be allowing individuals to both obtain and use forms of birth control, also allow health care providers to give that birth control to patients. And that covers um, a wide a wide array of contraceptives, whether it be oral and emergency medications, uterine devices and condoms. And the significance of this legislation is Democrats put it up for consideration in the wake of that Supreme Court decision last month that overturned Roe v. Wade. And aside from the main decision that overturned Roe, uh, Justice Thomas, Justice Clarence Thomas, also wrote a concurring opinion in which he called on the court to reconsider all precedent, all due process precedents. And one of those that he mentioned was the 1965 decision in Griswold v. Connecticut. And that is the Supreme Court decision that protected a married couple's right to use contraceptives. So Democrats put up this legislation sort of as a way if the court does go that far and does go to overturn Griswold, they wanted to have uh, they wanted to have access to contraceptives protected on the federal level. So where this goes from now, as you said, this goes to the Senate. It's not clear right now yet if the Senate, um, if it will have enough votes to overcome that legislative filibuster to receive 60 votes and pass the Senate. Um, But that's definitely something that reporters will be keeping an eye on to see if he can garner enough support to be sent to President Biden's desk. Well, and and two Republicans in the House introduced their own legislation regarding access to contraception. How does that one differ from the one that the House just passed? Right. So that bill um, was spearheaded by Republican uh, Congresswoman Marionette Miller-Meeks and Ashley Hinson. They introduced legislation that would allow oral contraceptives that have already been approved by the FDA to be obtained over the counter. So uh, that's a totally separate bill. This is looking to codify uh, the the bill that was passed today that was spearheaded by Democrats looks to codify access to contraceptives on the federal level. This looks to uh, this looks to increase the number of contraceptives that can be obtained over the counter. Republicans are claiming that that is, you know, the best way that that is when they're tying it to abortion, that if they want fewer abortions, the way to do that is to make contraceptives more accessible for, for, for individuals. So those are the two main differences between the bills. Um, it's low odds that that Republican-sponsored bill will be brought up just because, as you mentioned, Democrats control the floor. They have the majority in the House. But Republicans are trying to make their own mark in the area of contraceptives. I'm just amazed that like only eight Republicans voted for it. Like, What are the, all the other people doing? What, they've never used contraceptives? <laughs> Um, there were there were various uh, there were various complaints that Republicans had with the bill. Um, some of them had a problem with how quickly it was brought to the floor. So this this bill was introduced on Friday. It was first debated on Monday, and it was voted on today. So that's consideration in less than a week. That was a concern that some Republicans had, and others argued that it just wasn't necessary right now because, as I mentioned before, Democrats are putting this up in case the Supreme Court overturns Griswold. But the Supreme Court has not overturned Griswold. And some of them pointed to the majority opinion penned by uh, by Justice Alito, in which he said, I want to make it very clear that 
this ruling today only has to do with abortion. It does not have to do with other precedents that the court has set. Democrats are concerned, looking straight at Justice Thomas's concurring opinion. But Republicans are saying, hey, slow down there. You still have access to uh, to contraceptives protected on the constitutional level. We don't have to go there yet. Oh, yeah. And, you know, most of the Republicans on the Supreme Court now said they would not overturn Roe v. Wade when they were going through confirmation. So mm-hmm. I don't think we can take their word for anything now. Um, uh, so I guess we I guess this may be the last question we have time for. But are Republicans right to complain that this was rushed on the floor, that the bill is too vague or unnecessary? I mean, legislation is brought up in different time frames. Obviously, uh, the Roe v. Wade decision just came out less than a month ago, and Democrats have really tried to move quickly. There have been times when legislation has been brought to the floor in as a reactionary measure. So, for example, when the baby formula crisis was happening and there was a shortage of baby formula, um, bipartisan legislation was brought up very quickly um, and considered very quickly, voted on quickly, and that was actually sent to President Biden's desk and was signed into law. So I think that you know, timing fluctuates for legislation depending on the context around it. Um, but it's not it's not rare that we see uh, lawmakers sort of using the timing argument to their advantage. Uh. OK, well, thank you so much for being with us. We'll continue to follow this story. Definitely. That was Michael Schnell, congressional reporter at The Hill. Have a great rest of your day. Have a good one, guys. Thank you. OK. Uh, what's coming up next, Ryan? Oh, gosh. it's a, uh, This is more action in Washington, D.C. Biden announced executive orders Wednesday to address climate change. But will his actions, actions actually make an impact? We're going to talk about that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The pathway to action on the climate crisis has largely closed down, mostly due to uh, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia rejecting the Democrats' plan to combat climate change through legislation. And so President Biden is taking executive action to do something about it on his own. Joining us now is Rebecca Maureen, White House reporter at USA Today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Can you... um, Start off by just sharing with us the the broad strokes of what Biden has announced that he's going to do. Yeah, so he announced executive actions that will, you know, help give um, money about two point three billion to a program to communities to kind of deal with heat waves, flood, um, wildfires, other kind of extreme weather events. Um, another aspect of the actions that he's taking is to um, broaden this low income home energy assistance program. So, you know, that will give states more options on how to spend federal funds. This will, you know, kind of help um, low-income folks with, you know, their energy bill prices to help kind of bring that down while we're experiencing this extreme heat. Um, And then another action that he took is, you know, um, expanding um, wind energy development off the coast of Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina. Yeah, that's a lot there. Does this bypass then what he would typically need to do to get the Democrats on board, including Joe Manchin? I mean, again, so it seems like there's a lot there, but a lot of this stuff is still pretty, you know, preliminary actions. Um, You know, there are some some actions that folks want the president to take, like a climate emergency. And so, you know, there's still more things the president himself said that he wants to do uh, in terms of climate, in terms of addressing climate change. So these are, you know, still um, very early actions that he's taking. Uh, So 
to that point, why didn't he go ahead and declare this an emergency? I, that's a, an important function of the executive is to be able to do that, and it unlocks certain certain things. Why didn't he do that? Yeah, so it's something that he's still considering. He said that he's running the traps on the totality of the authority he has. So, you know, it's something that the White House has said is on the table. It's something that he said he's going to decide whether he's going to call it. But, you know, he did stop short of that earlier this week. Is this something that climate advocates and activists have been wanting? Is this enough? How are they responding? Yeah, so... They believe that, you know, the climate actions from earlier this week aren't aren't truly enough. They think that, you know, um, I've talked to a couple of progressive activists, climate activists who said that, you know, Biden said that climate change is an emergency, but, you know, they feel like the administration hasn't treated it as such. And so there are more things that um, advocates especially really want um, the administration to do. And, and one big thing is the climate emergency. I find all this really fascinating, and I and I personally have just been watching the, uh, I guess, a little bit of inside baseball, but watching what's happening in, in the Senate where uh, Democrats thought they had a deal uh, brewing with Joe Manchin so that they could get some climate stuff done, folded into a, a bill they could pass with only 50 votes. Um, can you just, just clarify for us why that had could only happen the way that they thought it would and how why it's unlikely to happen now that Joe Manchin has rejected it in that you know one-time package? Yeah, so this package, it, you know, it happens just to kind of bypass a filibuster. You know, you don't need a full 60 votes. And so this is, you know, that's how some of our other, you know, legislative reconciliation packages have been passed, in, you know, earlier this year. And so, you know, with Senator Manchin kind of saying that he wouldn't vote for a reconciliation package that would include, you know, um, provisions that address climate change or even raising taxes on the wealthiest of Americans. A lot of that is due to kind of inflation right now. That's what he is saying. And so, um, you know, President Biden doesn't want to wait to for Congress to figure this out. That's what he said. He said that he, you know, if this is going to continue to be held up, this is, a you know, a priority he has laid out already. And, you know, experiencing a lot of pressure to to act on. And so, you know, yeah. it's it's kind of unclear what you know, what, what path you know Congress can take with this. Um, right now, the White House is just trying to take it into their own hands because of this delay. Yeah, the White House says they want to take action, and yet some of us feel like uh, they're not moving even quickly enough, even though Biden said he want, couldn't wait. Uh, this mm-hmm. is fascinating stuff. Thanks for for getting us up today, Rebecca Maureen, White House reporter at USA Today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. Next up, why you shouldn't pluck out your gray hairs. This is something I need to stop doing. I actually did a video on my TikTok about this, like literally a few days ago. Anyway, (laughs) more next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, well, we are talking about gray hairs. We all have them, whether we like it or not. How dare you? Um, And this article is talking about why we shouldn't be plucking those gray hairs. And this is something... We all talk about, we all have our own theories around it. Like I've been told, oh, you, you take out one and 12 grow. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I was all, that was the conventional wisdom I was raised on. Like, yeah. my, like my mom would be like, she literally, like when I was a kid, I remember looking at her and being like, you have a gray hair. She goes, don't pluck it. I have to go get my hair colored. I don't want more. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you get gray hairs? I get, I, I, every once in a while I'll be like, what is that in my hair? Can you see though? Cause you have pretty light hair. It's, it's, um, the thing about gray hairs is like, they're actually 
kind of translucent. They're not actually gray, yeah. so they're easy to miss. But every once in a while, if I catch it in the right light, it'll be a exactly. little a shimmer of silver, and yeah. I'm like, what is happening? Oh, my God. What about you, Producer Shelby? You're young. Are you getting gray hairs yet? Um, I have yet to find one, but I do dye my hair quite frequently. So I feel like even if I did, I wouldn't notice it because my oh, hair is always yeah. purple or blue yeah, or something. Yeah. You know, I happen to be a ginger, so like you just you just turn light orange and then gray. You don't. Oh, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. So have you started the lighting process? Well, no, it, it'll happen on its own. Okay. And then I'll be like, you know, oh, no, I mean, yeah, has it started? Oh, uh, no. you know, not yet. All right, good for you. Not yet. Yeah, mine recently. It's the past few years. Where it was like, yeah, it, it started out with one, two, and then you're like, out of nowhere, there's just too many. Yes. And uh, now they really grow. What's like in the corners right here? What's these things called? Like the um, oh, the on the uh, on each side of your widow's peak. Yeah, whatever widow's that's called. peak area, and then also the top. Like yeah, it's, like the it's crown. The crown. It's yeah. So yeah, my hair is thinning on is my crown. Well. Like, everyone uh, needed to know that. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about why you shouldn't do this. So, according to this doctor or expert, at each cycle, after about age 20, the hair grows back a little thinner, stays around for a slightly shorter time, cycles on the head average five years. I did not know there that. There are a limited number of growth cycles. By plucking the hair, you may traumatize the hair follicle, which can lead to infection or even bald patches. So don't pluck your your gray hairs because it might lead to infection or, or bald, bald patches. patches. Honestly, that's petrifying. I'm I'm terrified. Yes, it also I feel like it starts becoming a bit of an anxious like a nervous thing oh, yeah. where you see it it's just like uh, if you're someone that likes to play with your face, like when you have like you know zits mm-hmm. or whatever or plucking in general. People do plucking and then you I don't know or you've no eyebrows. Yeah. I actually did that once. I got in a little bit of a flow where I my I have curly hair, so I was feeling like I had curly hairs on my eyebrows, and it was hurting. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So I started just playing with it myself. Well, one day I was working, and I just was like playing with it, and I looked at my hand, and I took taken out like a whole chunk, and oh for a moment gosh. it was like yeah, bald chunk patch on my eyebrow that I had to fill in, and I was like okay. I Wild. might have a problem. Wild. Stop doing that. Um, so I want now that we're talking about this, I wonder like if you're. Now this is a risky thing to do, but what if you like you know you have one gray hair, you don't want to get your whole head colored, but you don't have that one gray hair. Can you just like carefully take scissors to that one hair and cut it down no. really short and then let it grow well, back I guess out it again? Won't do what it said here, but then yeah, it will just grow back. Yeah, then at some point, and when it's halfway grown out, it might be sticking straight up out it of your a- hair. It actually <laughs> might grow back more quickly because when you trim hair, doesn't it start growing back quickly? Does I don't it? know. I don't know. Listen, maybe that is an answer that could be a bit, not that difficult with short hair, so. I have like longish short hair, thank you. Yes. Listen. (laughs) It's not a buzz cut situation. Now you know. And knowing is half the battle. Yes, and uh, you know, get your hair dyed or get dyed at the pharmacy. I did that a lot during COVID. It was my first time actually dyeing my hair from the pharmacy. I usually do the salon thing. And you only scared off like 20% of people. Scared off, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was cheaper. I saved a lot of money. Although one time for New Year's Eve 2020 or 2021, I decided to get the purple one thinking, oh, yeah, this will be cool. <laughs> yeah. No, I did not. Oh uh, it Well, one, it barely became purple. It was like this weird. It transformed in some like dark reddish uh-huh. type situation. And then I thought I put it all over my hair. Like I just wrapped my head in it. No, no ma'am. it's layered <laughs> under there, and then it had all these patches. Just I, let me like, ask I'm you this though: Did you carefully read the instructions? 
Kind of. Oh. I did it my way. Don't worry. You only have yourself to blame. I'll give you some pointers. <gasps> I know. We'll go over Can it. we have like a live stream? I would love that. You, yeah, live you do her hair. I'll live. bleach we'll it. We'll live. go bright yes. pink. I would we'll, totally do. I've done bright pink. I'll give you I'll an undercut like I have. Put a little design so in it. So are you it. a hairdresser? Do you no, do hairstyling? I'm my own. I'm self-taught. Thanks, That's YouTube. That's amazing. Wow. Good for you. But some people are better at it than others. Let me tell you. I do feel it's like... natural knack. Yeah, I, th- I think Shelby's got, got the, the right temperament for doing things like, like this yeah. well. I could actually do my makeup decent. My hair, no. I'm opposite. I cannot oh my God, do look makeup. look at that. I can do hair, That's though. so funny. That's so interesting. Right. I wish I could replicate my second day hair every day. Second day? Yeah, you know, the second day after you wash oh, it. Oh, yeah. I have my, my blowout hair, like the day of a blowout. Oof, I feel like I'm a better person. <laughs> like everything is better. <laughs> I look improved. better. My face, everything is better. You're 10 years younger. Well, yes. Next up, more of what's trending, including what major corporation is dipping their toes into the healthcare business. But will you buy your meds from this company? <laughs> Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes, we're back and more music coming up right here on Channel Q. Right now, we're getting into some more show. I am Shira, of course. Uh, Ryan Mitchell is out, but Ryan Basham has been filling in as my co-host. You're Shira, of course, and I'm Ryan, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe you know, maybe you don't. 
Maybe maybe we should start a new show and call it Of Course. <laughs> of Course. The Of Courses. Or just like, I, I feel like that's a podcast name, Of Course. Of Course. With Shira Lazar. <laughs> you know what and I Ryan mean, Bastard, yeah. did you just cut me out of my own no, pitch? I, was, <laughs> I said it, so I was just, you Yeah, know, fine. No, it's fine. the whole pitch. No, it's fine. I'll celebrate you from the sidelines. <laughs> You're always involved. So we've got a lot still coming up. Um, Because of the January 6th insurrection, a group of senators have introduced two bills in an attempt to prevent something like this from happening again. We're going to discuss that in 15 minutes. And it looks like California renters may be facing a rent hike. More on that later this hour. Oh, that's depressing. Yeah. Let's get into some what's trending this hour. Uh, so, at a House Judiciary Committee meeting about gun control, a Republican lawmaker said some citizens need assault weapons so they can defend themselves against the, quote, invasion of immigrants. <sighs> That's when David Hogg, who's a gun control activist and a survivor of the 2018 Parkland school shooting, stood up and shouted this. Iterating the points of mass shooters in your manifesto. The shooter at my high school, anti-Semitic, anti-Black, and racist. The shooter in El Paso described it as an invasion. Guess what? Those guns are coming from the United States of America. They are coming from Mexico. Say it. Say it. Let's uh, track those guns from all the major mass shootings that we've recently Wouldn't had. Wouldn't it be great if we could just do Why that? Why don't we just do a little map? Let's do a map or like a, what's it called? A chart or something. You know who's le- keep preventing us from tracking guns? Republicans. Yeah. Just saying. It's uh, it's really sad and, and you know David Hogg continues to do great work. It's just unfortunate. You know has to, it has to continue fighting this fight. And yeah. as someone who's was probably traumatized by what he went through. But moving on. Amazon is acquiring one medical, a primary health care provider, for $18 a share. Wow. Uh, th- these folks got a, a good deal. It's an all-cash deal that values the primary health care provider at roughly $3.9 billion. Jeez. Amazon hopes to improve how people book appointments and the experience of being seen by a physician. Oh, I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, I guess it's not like you're getting meds, although they do want to be like the pharmacy to everything. Yeah. I think you can already get your um, prescriptions, prescriptions filled through them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pretty soon you're able to have your baby, you know, Everything. delivered by Amazon, and your. I want. Uh, can you be here? Uh, can we have a Prime, Amazon Prime delivery? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're going to have like an Amazon Basics casket. I'm just saying. Born and die by Amazon. <laughs> you know, yeah. This is going to be built like you're the first Amazon baby. This is getting weird. In some sort of dystopian reality. Like, South Park's definitely going to do this. Yes. And finally, Representatives Carolyn Maloney and Richie Torres have introduced a bill that would help with education about LGBTQ and women's history in schools called the LGBTQIA Plus and Women's History Education Act. It allows the director of the Smithsonian National Museum of American History to actually develop educational resources around LGBTQ and women's history that are, quote, accurate, relevant, and accessible. Because mm-hmm. we know that's being fought these days. The bill would also appropriate $2 million to fund the creation of the educational resources. The bill has 54 Democratic co-sponsors already, including several of the out-members of Congress. This is really cool, really needed. Because if we're not going to have the schools doing this, like, obviously Congress needs to do this, and then there needs to be organizations that come on board to... Mm-hmm. 
to give credibility around these things yeah, as well. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah. That was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Oh, boy, do I have a tea report for you. So you may know that Jimmy Kimmel Live has taken the summer off. Uh, so Jimmy Kimmel's taking the summer off from his show. And so they're having guest hosts come in. and cute. Yeah, cute, right? And so um, uh, one host, Carrie Washington, uh, decided that she was going to use... The, her time on the show to help members of sag After, which is the union for performers on uh, film and television and on radio, among other things, um, help them hit their income threshold so they qualify for union health insurance. Here's what it sounded like. Now, I'm a proud member of the Screen Actors Guild, but in order to get SAG health care, you have to make a certain amount of money. So we invited a few fellow real actors to the show tonight who are very close to qualifying for coverage, and they will get there if they deliver just one more line of dialogue on TV. For instance, this is Madeline McCuskey. Madeline is an actor here in LA. She is $40.87 away from getting insurance. If she utters a single word on the show tonight, she's going to qualify. Madeline, is there anything you want to say? Mm, let's see. How about I just got health coverage? Yeah! That's awesome. <laughs> I really love this. Really so good. cool. Good job. Thank you for making the most of your opportunity to do this, Kelly. Yeah, and doing Washington. the right thing. Yes. yes. It's really cool. Well, next up, a bipartisan group of senators introduced legislation and efforts to block history from repeating itself in regards, you know, to Trump and his reaction to the election results in 2020. So what that all looks like and will it even help? Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, a bipartisan group of U.S. senators have introduced two bills to reform election laws. And of course, they want to block a repeat of what happened with President Trump, where he, you know, also failed to his attempt in overturning his 2020 election loss to Democratic President Joe Biden. You know, it's interesting that all these bills are coming at once, you know, whether it be we talked about the Respect for Marriage Act, the Contraception Act. Like, I think they're going all in very quickly right now. Yeah, they are because, um, you know, for two reasons. A, in an election year, uh, the once you get past the summer, it's kind of dead season for legislation. Hard to get things passed. Yeah. But also, you know, traditionally in a midterm election, uh, the party in the White House loses seats in the House and Senate. And since we have slim majorities in those, they're assuming they're trying to be prepared in case we lose one of the one or both of those. I mean, honestly, I would be petrified if we actually did and we should fight like hell to prevent that. But Ooh. just in case, like normally I can live with the opposing party having control of Congress. I mean, you know, it happens. But this particular time yeah, is a real bad time like, for it. Real scary. Yeah. Um, but this is meant to uh, get while Democrats still have control in case they lose it. Uh, fix some of the thing, some of the ambiguous areas in the law that allowed the Trump campaign to convince their supporters um, that it was possible for Pence to overturn the results, among other things. Also makes it harder for some of the really shady stuff the Trump campaign did um, with, uh, you know, the voting systems, uh, you know, uh, like lies and yeah. um, and the way that votes were counted and the, the way they tried to rig the system in a million different ways. And then, of course, said that the Democrats in the deep state rigged the system. Um, so, it, so um, you want me to just run run, a, run down the list for you? Yeah. So this is to reform election laws, yeah. which, by the way, when I heard that, I was like, oh, so will they do stuff to present, prevent gerrymandering or create a federal um, holiday no. so people could vote or make it easier for mail-in? No, those things won't happen because Republicans uh, will benefit by them not happening yeah. so they won't let them happen but so these are reforming election laws i guess meeting 
Democrats halfway. Yeah. If we had more Democrats in the Senate, especially, we could do more, but we don't. So, yeah, so slim majorities. Yeah, let's talk um, about these and so, how you think they can actually help. Yeah, well, so there are a couple of bills, and, um, and they do several things, um, including, uh, so... Part of why people thought Pence might be able to overturn the results was because the law describing how votes are counted at the at the end of the process um, are kind of vague about how much authority the president has. And one of the things these laws do is clarify that it's just ceremonial. He has no power to change the oh, results. He just yeah. reads them aloud, basically. Uh-huh. Um, it also um, addresses things like the handling of election results and presidential transitions, mail-in ballots, election record security. Um, uh, it also, I find some of these things really fascinating. So it doubles the federal penalties for those who threaten or intimidate election workers, poll yes. workers, voters or candidates, which we know the Trump campaign really tried to get their supporters to do. Um, wow. Yeah, it also reauthorizes the federal agency that am- administers elections. And that agency, uh, it's an independent agency that helps states improve administration and security of federal elections. And it has to be reauthorized. The bill that authorized it has already expired, actually. Uh-huh. So, so it's like a contract. And yeah, then, yeah. Most things that the co- that go- the government does have to be reauthorized because they're set up in legislation that sunsets after a certain um, number of years. Got it. Some, not everything, but a lot of things are that way. Um, yeah, and so you know, the, there are other things that they do, but the biggest thing, uh, far and away, is uh, dealing with. Um, election security and dealing with the role the vice president has in certifying election results. But it does actually quite a few things. And, you know, this is a bipartisan bill. It might actually, these bills might actually pass. And That's that'll good. be great. It won't undo all the problems, but it will undo some of the most obvious ones, including the thing, the ambiguity, ambiguity in the law that set up the, the set the stage for the January 6th riot. Yeah. It's nice to know that there are things out there that both parties can align on. Yeah. It's hard to do these days. It seems like yeah. it. Yeah. And, you know, the, the reality is we we as everyday Americans, um, we are a part of the problem because we reward parties for nominating extreme candidates everybody Mm. does both parties do that and as a result we reward people who campaign on not being willing to work with the other side so we and so while we should all yeah we're like standing your ground yeah i want to get someone who stands their ground yeah so so we just have to be more uh deliberate about who we elect and of course we can hold elect you know elected officials responsible too but you know we should own our part in it and be a part of the change do you feel like this will make a difference this is a good thing Yes, it's definitely a good thing. Won't do all the things, but it will do some important things. All right. Ryan Basham, my co-host and political analyst, commentator extraordinaire. Oh, go Appreciate on. it. My pleasure. Knows everything that I don't know. I have all the answers. You too. Feels like it. <laughs> well, next up, if you live in California, your rent could be on the rise. Do you have an answer to how to keep our rent cheaper? No. No. Okay. Ah. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A few years ago, a state law was passed in California that was meant to protect tenants um, by limiting rent increases and pegged it to inflation. But now here we are a few years later and inflama- or in- inflation is to say inflammation. That's actually pretty valid. You know. Inflation is sky high. And so some people in California will see uh, increases in rent by as much as 10% starting next month. Wow. Yeah, crazy. With us now is Liam Dillon, a staff writer at Los Angeles Times, to help us get through all the details. Thank you, Liam. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I, this, I feel like, is a little bit more complicated than I teed it up as. So can you give us the basics about what's happening and what it all means? Yeah, sure. So uh, basically, the simplest way of putting it, for millions of apartments across California, generally speaking, those that were 
built before 2007, so built uh, older that are older than 15 years. Uh, landlords will soon be allowed to increase uh, rent by as much as 10%. Um, and that's sort of the maximum that was allowed in the state law that was passed a few years ago. And that's a lot. You know, yeah. I talked to some tenant organizers who were very worried about folks who are, uh, you know, still in the middle of a global pand- health pandemic, right? Um, and the economic concerns that are, that are raised by as a result of that, uh, worried about what that might mean uh, as far as whether they could stay in their homes or not. Definitely. Are we seeing similar numbers across other states or is this very unique to California right now? You know, so this is actually a law that was put into place to limit some of the exorbitant rent increases that we had been seeing with the sort of broader affordable housing affordability crisis that the state has been in for quite some time. Right. So the, te- the 10 percent is actually a limit. Um, and, and, you know, and that's because in years past, there were these sorts of horror stories where tenants were facing you know, doubling of their rent or 30% or 50% rent increases. And so that's in part because the market in California has been so hot, the rental market so hot for so long. In other states, though, what, what from my understanding, what we've, what we've been seeing is that uh, because the, the markets there are heating up, certainly not to the same extent as California, um, but are heating up, you know, you are starting to see significant increases uh, in, uh, in rent that may even exceed the 10% that's limited in California. Gosh, yeah. I mean, I know people who've moved to Austin, Texas, and they're like, the rent is even more crazy there than it is here in L.A. Yeah, to that mm-hmm. point, um, you know, in various places across the country, people try to limit rent increases, and then landlords push back and say, well, our costs have gone up. And I guess, mm-hmm. and this maybe is a little bit of a curveball question, but do we yeah. know, is is are the costs mm-hmm. for landlords really going up as much as they're saying, you know, as much as they're trying to justify with uh, with this renting? increase situation or do they or do can we trust them and take them at their word that this is proportionate sure sure well i think it's hard to make a one-to-one comparison and hard to like talk about each particular landlord or tenant's individual circumstance right but i do think that it is broadly true i mean inflation is affecting everybody for for everything and so if a landlord is paying a maintenance worker to come you know to come and they have they have a, a car and they pay for gas i mean as we know what gas prices have done over the past two years, you know, certainly when it comes to appliances, uh, dishwashers, refrigerators, things like that, supply chain issues that made it a very hard to get those appliances to replace them in, in apartments and also made them more expensive. And so I do think it is broadly true that, that many landlords have faced um, some increased costs for kind of maintaining um, maintaining and even potentially upgrading the, the properties that they own. Uh, from your reporting, did anyone share like what people should be doing? You know, like are are people just supposed to be leaving their apartments? And I don't know. Like the, the biggest worry is that there's going to be a more of a housing crisis. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's also really important. You know, we're just talking about this potential ten percent uh, allowable rent increase, but as it relates to California, you know, many of the large cities in California, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Oakland. San Jose, all of these cities, and I'm about to get a little bit more complicated, but they have their own local um, rent restrictions that in almost all cases are more restrictive than 10%. And in fact, in a lot of apartments in the city of Los Angeles right now, you're not allowed to raise rent at all. Raise rent at all, and that's their problems. Or those are um, apartments that fall under the city's rent control rules. And so I think it's really important if there is some advice that I could give to, to tenants and also to landlords is to uh, first of all, understand um, what these rules are, you know, and you can you know, contact your city, 
um, to see if you have some stronger protections that what what otherwise might exist. Yeah, I think in any major city probably has tenants' rights organizations that you can Google and can get help with. I know my most recently my roommate and I negotiated with our landlord who wanted to raise the rents, and we were like, "Hey, man, still a pandemic," and uh, so we got to yeah. negotiate it down. Um, but you know, this makes me wonder: is there any activity in Sacramento to you know amend this in some way? I mean, are our, our state legislators looking at this and going, "Man, we we really didn't hit the mark like we thought." we would on this and and maybe we should do something different you know from my understanding i think the short answer is is no i mean this was sort of bill the, the governor when this passed in, in 2019 billed this as a, as a as a landmark law and in some respects you know he is right it is among you could arguably them among the tightest sort of statewide restriction on on rent increases that exists in in the country you know that being said i think lawmakers would also point to the fact that there's has been, although that program recently ended, um, over five billion dollars in rent relief that was that was um, you know that tenants and landlords both got um, for people who were behind on rent as a result of the pandemic, and um, that's obviously been a lot of money. Um, the need is you know far greater than that. Um, there was a recent survey that came out actually back just this week that estimated uh, that more than one and a half million um, households in California were were behind on their you know at least one month's rent, and so the need still exists. Um, but I think, you know, frankly, for the most part, as it relates to state lawmakers, they sort of feel like they've done their job. So any advice for people who are dealing with this? I mean, you said, I guess, uh, Ryan, negotiate, <laughs> reach out. Is yeah. there anything else like people should be going to a site to get support? I don't know. Yeah, I, and I think it's very localized, right? I mean, you mentioned, you know, tenant organizers. You know, most big cities do have some tenant organizations. Um, I also, as I said about um, connecting with resources that may be available at, at the state state and local levels, um, you know, they do exist. And I think another thing that's been confusing, there was a, a whole host of restrictions as it relates to both rent increases and to evictions that were put in place right at the beginning of the pandemic, right? Like two yeah. and a half years ago now. And many of them are going away. Some of them still exist. And it's really hard. You know, in my reporting, I've, I've called them really a patchwork. And the patchwork's even gotten, like, more patchy, mm. if you will, you know, over the last couple of months as some of them have gone away. And so it, it is really hard to follow, you know. Um, and so as a result, um, you know, read your, read your local newspaper like the L.A. Times, which could help you to kind of navigate this. But also, again, you know, go to your city um, because they're likely to know what resources you may, you may qualify. You know, I, you know, I will reiterate that. If you want excellent reporting about what's happening in your hometown, subscribe to your local paper. I subscribe to the L.A. Times. I'm grateful for the work you do. Liam Dillon, Great. staff writer at L.A. Times, thank you so much for uh, informing us today. Thanks for having me. Okay, well, next up on the show, this uh, club kicked people out for being too gay. What? We're talking about it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, we're back. And this club in my home province of Quebec, so I apologize. um, They're being called out uh, for asking patrons to leave for seeming, as this person said, too homosexual. This nightclub? Yes. So... It's okay. called Le Dagobert. Le Dagobert. Uh, yes. You know what? I just I just go when it's French, and yeah, so exactly. it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. So what happened was these club goers, they were asked by club staff to leave after complaints and aggression from fellow patrons over this person and, and their friends, flamboyant, they're saying, demeanors. Um, on social media, this person wrote his name's, or their, I, I don't know their pronouns, Nicholas Gaudreau. Uh, Some customers were bothered by our clothes, bothered by our dance moves. The employee asked us to leave before it turned into a fight. 
So it's really hard to know what happened. You know, in this article from Querity, they say club goers verbally abused the group, then threw bottle corks at them. And then it seems like a regular customer finally went to a club employee to get them to come out. I just can't. So, yeah. So I thought I had assumed when I first heard this that it was a gay club. But but so it, it seems like maybe it's not. It's just a straight club where this happened, which, you know, still, I mean. I don't know if that changes it. It's still bad. I also thought it was a gay nightclub. Yeah, club. I mean, I think, um, I mean, look, that, how is yeah, it in this day and age? Unfortunately, that, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, in my small hometown in East Tennessee, if you were yeah. at any bar other than the one gay bar within 50 miles, maybe even 100 miles, um, you might, I, I would expect this. But in a, you know, in a place that is supposed to be, you know, uh, you know, a larger city, more ma- more cosmopolitan. I assume I've never actually been to Quebec. I'm assuming it's larger. I just it's so it's so mind blowing. But what really concerns me is, you know, what was th- so apparently this article says that was you know uh, an employee. Well, the company says an employee took the initiative to try and defuse it by asking the people who could be attacked to leave. And I gotta wonder, was that just a poor call? But they were just trying to protect the right people. It, it or? seems like yeah, because it was uh, it was. Customers repeating customers, you know. Yeah. And so here's the thing: the nightclub did acknowledge that the customers that were ill-intentioned should have actually been expelled. And after further, you know, research investigations, they found that the employee took the initiative, and so they actually fired that person. Oh, did they? Yeah. So they did the right thing. I guess. Uh, But still, it's unfortunate. this person goes, we were only dancing and having fun. Of course we looked gay because we are. <laughs> and I'll never be ashamed of it. Yes. Well, don't be ashamed. I mean, I, I, I we don't know the details of this other person. Maybe it was a teaching moment, not a firing moment. Who knows? But glad that the right thing ended up has, getting happening. Has this happened to you? Mm, I have always been able to tell when I need to leave before I got beaten up. Oh, right. Well, stay safe <laughs> out there. Okay, more of what's trending in updates on this Ricky Martin situation. It's bad. Coming up in the T-Report next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Yes, welcome back, and we'll be back also with some more music in a moment. But right now, we've got some more show. We're here to inform and entertain. Uh, it's Shira. Ryan Mitchell is out right now, but Ryan Basham is filling in. I'm just so glad I could be here. You yeah. are lovely to be with, both of you. You have a lot of liquids, by the way. You know, honestly, I yeah, I complain a lot off air about how much I have to pee, but I only have myself to blame. Yeah, that is true. What is there? Water, a protein shake, shake and, and coffee. coffee. Yeah, these are all the things you need. Yeah. It's a balanced liquid diet right there. <laughs> uh, you know, I think back in the 90s, people did liquid diets a lot to lose weight, and I feel like I would have thrived then. 
God. There's, we are not uh, supporting a liquid diet. By the oh, way. yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. There's a, a type of person online known as a liquid girly or a drink girly. And oh. that's someone who has at least three drinks at all time. And I'm one of those people. Oh, my you know God. I, I would have assumed it was uh, drinking your yeah. calories like booze. So no, what were you going to yeah. say? No, I have two right now. I pretty much do the caffeine and the water typically. But I am one of those like when I'm out for dinner or brunch. Like, mm-hmm. no, brunch. It's the worst. I'll be like water, Bloody Mary, coffee. Yeah. Typically, those are the three that I mm-hmm. need in front of me. Well, here's so. the thing about this smoothie is actually more, way more food than it is drink. It's like I used to be like 30 pounds overweight. I no longer am. No, and one of what? The, yep. Mm-hmm, and one of the really? things, one of the key components of my weight loss journey was this smoothie. It's not very sweet. This People is not who try an ad, it, by the way. Yeah. It's, it's my, <laughs> uh, the owner of a gym I used to go to gave me this recipe and it changed my life. Okay. I was skinny as a kid, got turned like a hobbit in my late 20s, and then I had to do some work to get rid of that belly fat. <laughs> I'm learning this. I didn't even know this. Okay. Well, congratulations. My thanks. Inspiring. Uh, coming up in 15 minutes, a record number of people are quitting their jobs. So where are they going when they quit? More coming up. And Ricky Martin, we've got some updates on the scandal with his family in the tier report in a moment. Let's get into so much trending this hour, though, right now. Greece's parliament has banned sex normalizing surgeries on babies born intersex with atypical chromosomes that affect their bodies in a way that doesn't fit the binary male or female. Under a new law approved by Parliament, surgeries that are going to ensure a child fits traditional notions of male or female on people under the age of 15 are banned unless there is a court decision saying otherwise. The bill stipulates fines and a prison term for doctors conducting this type of surgery. This is fascinating, and I'm not sure how to I, I feel like I have to do some more research on the my, the details around surgeries on intersex babies because I don't we've had uh, done some segments on this where yeah in the past it would be like the parents would decide or the doctor what they wanted to do Mm -hmm. and then it would lead to either uh, you know people having obviously issues with it wanting to change their sex because they chose their sex for them it is a permanent change made early in life yeah and and so it forces people to well they become Mm -hmm. trans or I, I mean, it's it's traumatizing. Yeah, and you know that reminds me of the importance of puberty blockers. You know, some states are dis- are banning puberty blockers for minors who identify as trans. But you know, puberty is also a permanent thing. So once you start, you know, it's ma- much harder to make changes later. Just like much harder to make changes later if you have intersex yeah. correction surgery and, or whatever it's called. And people are saying it's like, uh, what's it called when you do things down there? And like other countries, they do it. Oh, mutilation. Mutil- this is like mutilation. This, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm happy they're doing something. Moving on, the Department of Homeland Security's internal watchdog has opened a criminal investigation into the destruction of those Secret Service phone text messages that were relating to the days of the January 6th Capitol riot. And it comes after the House Select Committee investigating the Capitol riot riot issued a subpoena to the Secret Service wanting those text messages after learning that messages from January 5th and January 6th, 2021, they'd just been erased. Reportedly, as, as a result of a device replacement program. How convenient. I mean, criminal investigation is warranted at this point, I think. Right? Of all the Come people. On, it's so like, obvious. Also the, the, the Secret Service is supposed to be the most 
the best in our whole government at digital security. Crazy. And they don't know how to not delete yeah. texts, whatever. All right. Well, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Oh, it's time for the T-Report on something that a lot of folks are following. So you may have heard uh, earlier in the month, Ricky Martin uh, had a restraining order placed against him by his nephew, who said they had a, like a several-month-long sexual relationship and that he broke it off. And then Ricky Martin was like terrorizing him at his house. And it was like, whoa, scandal, a scandalo. And then um, it turns out um, this guy has recanted um, and the, the restraining order is, is no longer there. Um, and this and the nephew's father even confirmed on Facebook Live that hi, that this guy, the accuser, has a histor- history of mental health issues, has been disconnected from the family in quite, in quite some time. And in fact, this nephew who made the accusation, one of his colleagues from work once took out a restraining order against him after he allegedly became obsessed with her and said he planned to murder her. So, Ricky Martin, you're exonerated. We love you. And uh, please go back on tour and maybe call me personally. Wow. Okay. That was a lot. Next up, a shocking percent of workers are considering quitting their jobs. But the question is, where are they going? We're talking about it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. According to a report from McKinsey & Co., 40% of workers globally are considering quitting their current jobs in the next three to six months. Now, more than four million people have already left their jobs each month in the U.S. so far this year, though. And according to new research, this trend isn't going to quit anytime soon. Here to discuss it is Morgan Smith, a work reporter with CNBC Make It. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, these numbers are, uh, they're big, they're noticeable, right? So (laughs) what is causing this increase in people quitting? Yes, absolutely. Well, Shira, I can't say these numbers are surprising, unfortunately. I'm sure we're all familiar with the term the Great Resignation at this point. Folks, especially in the United States, have been quitting at elevated, often historic rates for the past 18 plus months. And a lot of this is driven just by a noticeable change in social norms. I I spoke with Bonnie Dowling, one of the authors of the report you just cited, and and she put it better than I ever could. She said, quote, there's been a fundamental shift in workers' mentality and their willingness to prioritize other things in their life beyond whatever job they hold, end quote. And that shift was really spurred by the COVID-19 pandemic. I think it's probably a bit more intimidating to quit your job when you have to do it in person and tell your coworkers, your, your, your work wife, your work husband, your work BFF that you're also leaving the job. But when you're at home, you, you not, there's not only a bit more distance, so I, I think there's a little bit less loyalty to whatever company you're working for. But when you're at home, when we were all at home during the COVID-19 pandemic, I think we all remembered, too, how much we really enjoyed our personal lives and how much free time we were missing out on from commuting back and forth to the office or working late from an office and being on a bus or train or sitting in traffic on the highway all day. So that, that's the main the main driver behind this historic quitting rate, which we will see continue in the, the months ahead. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like this was obviously a sentiment that was being felt, but you're saying it was exasperated by the pandemic. It kind of brought out what was probably like embedded underneath the surface. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right about that. I, I just think the COVID-19 pandemic was a tipping point for yeah. a lot of folks. So as suggested in the headline, you know, where exactly are they going? So what's interesting about this is this new research from McKinsey & Co. is now explaining where these workers are going. We've had a lot of conversations about why workers are quitting, and that's been pretty clear. Low pay, lack of career growth opportunities, 
sometimes people quit because they simply do not want to return to the office. So return to office requirements play a small role in that. But a lot of folks who are leaving jobs are switching industries. Uh, Some industries are bleeding out talent more so than others. More than 60% of workers who quit jobs in the consumer slash retail and finance slash insurance fields, for example, are switching industries compared to just 54% of workers in healthcare and education. And if they're not switching industries, they're pursuing non-traditional ways of employment. They're either reducing their hours to part-time or gig work, or they're starting their own businesses. What I was really surprised by is that over the course of the pandemic, new business applications grew by more than 30%, according to a White House press release. Yeah. So I think just sitting at home has, even though it can get quite boring at times, I think this explosion of remote work and being at home has given a lot of folks more free time to creatively brainstorm, more more time to think about, yeah, why, why can't I start this business? I have a lot more free time on my hands. And remote work also has opened so many new doors for folks that were previously shut before the pandemic. So definitely. Yeah, I have to it's say, definitely exciting. Yeah. I, I was I was really surprised to see that folks that work in healthcare and education were not the largest group because I would I would have assumed mm-hmm. that given how people in those professions were treated and what they had to go through during the height of the pandemic that more of them would have been burned out and wanted to to change professions. Do we know much about where the folks in those fields specifically went? Does the study talk about, you know, where teachers and, and medical pr- medical professionals went when they decided they'd had enough? Study doesn't go too in-depth on that specific aspect, but with regards to healthcare and education, I will say, yes, burnout is incredibly real in the healthcare and education field, specifically among teachers and nurses and medical assistants. But what's interesting is what's happening in Tangent is we're kind of on the precipice of a recession, right? And if you look at data from the last major recession that the U.S. was in in 2009, healthcare and education were consistently to the highest paid, most stable industries to be in during a recession. So mm. part of my gut is telling me that perhaps a lot of these workers are, are remaining in the healthcare and education industries, despite the burnout they might be feeling, despite the additional hurdles that the pandemic has brought about mm-hmm. into their jobs, because they know that if, you know, things go <laughs> go off course <laughs> with the market and the economy in the coming months, which all signs are pointing to that they likely will, that they will still have a stable, decent pay. So these people that are leaving, though, are they able to sustain after leaving their jobs? Are we seeing that? I mean, obviously, COVID was difficult. Now we have this next hump we're about to get into as well i think it's too soon to tell because a lot of these folks have quit their jobs within the past couple months or within the past year and so i think unfortunately the data is just too fresh to see how sustainable this is i think six months from now i would love to check in like you said on these folks that have started their new business that did switch industries to see if they are making a more comfortable salary if they're happy that they made that switch but there's other research out there too actually that i will say that workers who did switch jobs whether it was within the same industry they were previously working in or switch industries entirely nine times out of ten were able to get a significant salary bump so i would say at least with a specific group of folks that are switching industries 
they are switching industries because they are getting higher paid opportunities. But the folks who are reducing their hours to part-time or gig work or who are starting their own business, I, I think that's a little bit, it's too hard to say. Yeah, and that's more of a decision of like, okay, I'd rather cut a bit for more flexibility or possibly like more happiness. Okay, that was uh, Morgan Smith, work reporter with CNBC's Make It. Thank you again. Of course. Thank you both for having me. Yes. Well, next up, you know, typically couples will split bills 50-50, but this person is offering up a new strategy. Yeah, after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All right. This couple is going viral for sharing how they split the bills. So typically, you know, uh, partners will split maybe bills 50-50. And this video, by the way, has gotten over a million views, so it definitely resonates. Mm. But... They're offering another solution. Before I get into that, what do you typically do, Ryan, when well, it comes to relationships and splitting things? The last time I was in a relationship in, this was relevant to, in a hundred years, there 100 was years no ago. TikTok. <laughs> so I don't know that. I mean, I have to brush the dust off the record books to well, find. Well, it doesn't have to do with TikTok. It means like, well, how are you splitting the? Bills? No, what I'm saying is I don't have experience huh? with this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have roommate sharing experience. You know what? My I've always lived with roommate. Well, not always, but most of the time I've lived with roommates and we have always split expenses 50-50 except for in a couple times when I've had a roommate who was unemployed, I bought the things they normally share. Buying. Yeah, you know I, I, mean? I appreciate that. That makes sense. What about you, Shelby? Producer Shelby? Um, when I was living with a previous partner, it was always 50-50, but we were also both full-time students and working part-time. I mm. had two jobs, but my two jobs equated to their oh. one job. Um but even when they left their job, I still held them accountable because it wasn't that they needed to leave the job. They just didn't want to work there oh. anymore. Oh, so, no. Yeah. Uh, that so makes sense. I was like, that wasn't a decision you made together? Your partner just was like, I'm quitting? I mean, I supported it. It wasn't worth the drive, and it was just a, a minimum wage, like, smoothie shop job that just wasn't worth it. So then they would do DoorDash or yeah. Uber Eats or whatever, and mm-hmm. then I'd hold them to it because it would go a week, and they wouldn't do their driving and make any money. So I'm yeah. like, you have to pay bills because I'm not paying and them that, for you. And yeah. that would encourage them, hopefully, to get another job. Yeah, eventually they did. All right. Well, yeah, I've had the whole gamut, you know, yeah. of relationships where I've, I've dated. Uh, there were some people I dated that made much more than me. And, uh, you know, they definitely uh, held them accountable. (laughs) You held them accountable? (laughs) What does that mean? Was this a sugar daddy situation? No, it wasn't sugar daddy. It was just more that either I moved into their their place, so they were already paying for it. But then I would take care of things like cleaning, like we had a cleaning person or, um, you know, getting groceries, Mm. stuff like that. Yeah. Right. So I think that for me, Depending on if, yeah, I'm with someone that is is making a lot more, I'll try to contribute in different ways. And you know what? I got to say, Shira, you're the kind of person who's around like, you know, tech startup-y, like Web3-y kind of people. I'm well, sure that, that, that your dating recently. history includes all kinds of very <laughs> successful then, gentlemen. So here's the thing. But then I did date someone who I ended up starting a company with. So we were both in the same oh. boat. And that was when it was a lot of 50-50. Don't they say never poop where you eat? Yeah, and it was not a good scenario. Uh, but, you know, more recently, you know, and my partner, which is more of my hopefully partner for life. So it's like I've approached it a bit differently. Money became it was something I was really anxious about at the beginning of the relationship mm. because of my own traumas around it. My, you know, history with my family a bit and how I'd witnessed money be brought up in relationships. And I, there's times, you know, he had made more money than me. But then, you know, I might be making more money. And what we do 
is pretty much most of the times like we we split it you could say but we don't have like two credit cards we actually have one credit card so it feels like almost like he he'll be like I'm taking it I, I hear I'm, I'm putting down the credit card it makes yeah. me feel like he's paying for it but I believe at the end of the month we split it that's hilarious well <laughs> it what works. The, what these folks do you know they they instead of each splitting bills 50-50 they do it with you know instead of equally they do it Equitably, so so they yeah, hit, they I'm get their bills paid by you know each of them is contributing fifty percent of their income, but one of them makes less money than the other, and and that seems to be a win win. Yeah, so they say uh, they end up each giving twenty percent. So it's not oh, yeah, about sorry twenty percent. Uh, it's income. not about a oh you owe this and I owe that. It's saying it's a percentage of what you make. Yeah. So, so naturally, you, if you make less, you're going to owe less. If you make more, you're going to owe more. Which I am down. I'm down for that. Yeah, I think I, you know, it makes me think about when I was a kid. I watched my parents argue a lot because my yes. mom made all the money and my mom, well, my oh. dad made all the money. My mom put got all the debt or created all the debt, and my dad complained about it. And so I think part of me would be worried, like, oh, what if my partner feels like I'm a burden? If assuming I'm the one making less, I felt that also because you know, if I have a child and you're uncertain how you'll feel, like you'll have to take time off, mm-hmm. and then you end up in the scenario like, do you have enough money to? take care of me yeah. in that moment, right? Even though I, I do work and I've made money or saved. And I think you have to get in a place where you have these open conversations. Have these conversations while you're dating. Don't yeah. wait to yeah. get engaged or married or even live with someone. Yeah. These are basic foundational conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my mentors used to say, pay your prices up front. You know, have the hey. difficult conversations. But go. this is at Finding Mimi Vlogs on TikTok. Check it out. Over a million views yep. already. Okay. So uh, we're going to do some a little more social media stuff. The next conversation we're going to have is going to be about, check this out, how these folks are thriving in retirement, and it involves social media. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So if you're an avid social media follower, you may know that there's this phenomenon where content creators on social media get together, they rent a really expensive house somewhere fancy, and it's a content house. So they just help each other make content for their various social media profiles, especially TikTok now. Um, (laughs) So uh, now there is a content house populated by retirees, senior citizens. Yeah, seniors, yeah. So, so um, this is a story that BuzzFeed knew. This profi- BuzzFeed News has done a profile on this house. They started in September, and now they have 3.8 million followers on TikTok. And it's basically, now it's a little bit reality TV-like. So, like, they've actually cast actors to play these people, but these actors and they, are and they really old people. they fit into these archetypes yes, in yeah. many ways. They do, and, yes. And this kind of um, goes back to, one, the, obviously the trend of these houses uh-huh. and there's been houses a lot of times there was like a bunch of teenagers there has been kind of like older millennial houses um queer houses mm-hmm. etc uh, but also uh, there was a phenomenon uh, a viral tiktok channel you know the old folks in palm springs yeah oh yeah that like is, they're gay guys yeah i think that's guys. a buzzfeed original thing yeah 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 I don't know. I thought they were just like a bunch of guys that lived in Palm Springs. Well, maybe it was more than one, too. But you know, sometimes they're like reacting to stuff that young gays do and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, I think but that's a buzzword. They've become now popular. Yes. But they just started as a bunch of old guys in Palm Springs Absolutely. doing it. And it, it, yeah, it's become very popular. But so here's uh, we have a clip of it. Yeah, this let's, is do, one let's of many. do the clip. What's brown and sticky? What? A stick! Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and then they have other ones where they take like. Are you serious? 
trending sounds and do weird trends that yes. even I can barely do. I mean, or would even deign to do on uh, camera. Um, this play, It's called Retirement House, at Retirement House on TikTok. And um, actually, I'm really enjoying watching the reaction videos. I don't know if you, if you know Fine Brothers React on YouTube. They yes. have some great reaction videos of teenagers watching these videos, and it's hilarious. Um, this, I must say, gives me hope. Yes. You know, uh, you think that, including in Hollywood, you get to a certain age, you're basically done with. Well, I think these days it shows that at any age you can find some newfound popularity. Yeah, these are most of these pe- folks that are that were cast in this have been pursuing acting for years, and this is their big break. Isn't that great? Whoa. One of them, and wow. one of them said, one 85 year old Galen Baker said, she said, "I come into work and laugh all day long. I just can't stop laughing. Oh. We're changing people's minds about what it means to age by having fun." Oh, I love Isn't that. Isn't that great? Can we do an early Yaz Queen? Today? Yes. Can where's you, the, is the Yaz Queen button the available? Button? It's it like, is. Yes, there queen. All right. Yes, that's a spontaneous yes, queen. Yes. Um, oh. It's like the gag flag on Legendary, if you know what that is. Anyway, um, <laughs> gosh, this is a fun conversation. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are wrapping up the show as we always do with our yes, queen of the day. Yeah. Yes, Queen. Mm. This one goes to drag star Patty Gonya, who wants to save the the earth and make queer people feel safer on it. I love that. Bringing inclusion into the outdoors and diversifying the outdoors. She actually climbed the Rockies and Hills? Yeah, that's what first made her famous, apparently, which is so badass. I don't know that I could climb the Rockies and no, you know, boots. No, I definitely could not do that. No. I trip just with any type yeah, of Yeah, that's why I live on a first floor apartment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here she is uh, on her Instagram uh, doing just this. Let's begin. Pack and dress appropriately. Always plan ahead. Don't be homophobic. Wear appropriate footwear. Don't be racist. Uh, hydrate. Wear your sunscreen. Frolic. Well, I am a big fan. I actually didn't know her until I was working with a nonprofit fundraiser around um, outdoors nonprofits mm. um, who have diversification and want to bring in communities who haven't necessarily felt welcome in the past. And Patagonia came up. And I'm I like, how that. have I just discovered this person? I mean, it's everything that I love. The environment, the queer community, yes. all wrapped in one. And actually, uh, she's also the co-founder of Outdoorist Oath, which oh. is looking to do a similar thing as an organization. I so love that. So go check her out. Patagonia. And, uh, you know, not sponsored by Patagonia. But no, yeah. Spelled differently. Like. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. That also does it for our show today. But we are back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, live on tomorrow's show. Shar is back with me in the studio. Ryan, you've been great. I appreciate you. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I hate to miss Shar. She is a gem. I know. But you're in good hands, I guess. Yes. Go follow Ryan everywhere on social media at Ryan Basham. And what else is coming up tomorrow? Producer Shelby. Um, so I guess GOPs are now saying that once a baby is conceived, you can start paying child support. Um, so we are going to be talking about that. And we're also going to be talking about how to care less. Oh, because I think it. everyone needs to do a little yes. bit of that. I mean, I just don't care at all. Yeah, hey, I mean, <laughs> that's a balance. That's There's a, a balance. <laughs> if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's talking about managing relational conflict. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 